Have you ever received a gift that you either A, didn't know what it was, and you had to ask, like, what is this? And you tried to be kind about it, like, oh, what is it? You know, anybody ever received a gift like that? Or received a gift that you kind of knew what it was, but you had no clue how to use it or no clue how to get the potential out of it. Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, This year, actually, for Christmas, um, I talked to my family, uh, I talked to my parents, my grandparents, uh, Lindsay's side of the family, and I said, I said, if you plan on doing anything for me for Christmas or my birthday, my birthday's in November, so they're kind of close. If you plan on doing anything for me for Christmas or for my birthday, would you please just give us money because I want to get a new camera? Okay, anyone ever like you just kind of set up so that you could get the gift that you want. And, and both parties agreed, we won't get you anything, we'll just give you a little bit of money that we're planning on spending on you, and so hopefully they'll give a little more for Christmas because I've already bought the camera, and it'll help pay for it. Um, and so I've got this camera. Now, uh, it's not the nicest camera in the world, but it's much nicer than any camera that I had. And I got the camera because I love to do uh, some things with video, and I have seen like some world-class photographs that are taken with this camera. And last Sunday, I brought this camera, and I went around and took some pictures of people here at the church, and literally five of them were usable. The rest of them were like out of focus and not good. And so I've got this camera that has potential to take really, really good pictures, but I haven't learned how to use it yet. I haven't learned like the secrets, the art of photography uh, with all of the ins and outs that make good pictures possible, but I possess a camera that if I had that knowledge and that understanding would create good pictures. Does that make sense? So I've got a gift. It's a good gift. It's got capability. It's got potential to do great things that I want to do. But until I apply the learning curve and the knowledge, the understanding of the gift to taking pictures, the pictures that I get aren't going to look world-class like pictures that people have taken that camera with. Now, uh, my grandfather, several years ago, got a new TV, okay? HDTVs are in, old school TVs are out, family would come over, and, you know, it was kind of like, you know, why don't you have a newer TV? And so they decided they wanted to get a new TV, and so they got a really nice HDTV, and so they asked me to come and help them hook up this HDTV, and so I went, and I helped them hook up this HTV, this HDTV, and I asked the question, so have you called your service provider and ordered HD? programming. No, I don't have to do that. This is a nice TV. They told me in the store that it's got great picture. You know, they told me that this would be incredible. And I said, you know, it's a nice TV, Papa, but you've got to understand something that if you don't have an HD signal coming in, like if your programming isn't HD, then you're basically taking an analog signal and you're stretching it over this big picture and it's not going to look great. In fact, it could look a little worse. No, I'm telling you, Bronson, They told me in the store that this was a great, great TV. It's a great TV. It's got beautiful picture. It's going to be so crystal clear. Just hook it up and you'll see. And so we hooked it up and it wasn't wasn't the greatest picture. Now for him, coming from what he had, he was like, see, that looks good. But I was like, I was like, Papa, I mean, it's good. You can enjoy that TV. But, you know, if if you'll call your provider, you know, pay an extra $10 a month and you get that HD TV package, those HD channels. So I promise you, you're going to see a night and day difference. And it it took a couple of months to convince him that he wasn't using the potential of the gift that 
that the gift that he had received of this TV, it could do things that he wasn't taking advantage of. Does that make sense? Maybe you've gotten gifts. Maybe you have things like that. Maybe you've got features on your car that you never use and you've got like Bluetooth capability and all this remote start stuff and you never use it, but it's nice to have and the salesman sold you on it and got you to spend more money because it was nice to have and you never used it. And so you possess something that has potential that's far greater than what you use. Does that make sense? We've all had gifts like that. Well, today I want to talk to us about a gift that God gives us that I think for many Christians actually falls into that category, that we've been giving a gift that has huge potential for our lives, that could radically transform and change the way we go about living life, but far too many of us don't take advantage of all the features, if you will, if you will. So let's review real quick. Heather did a great job quoting. Uh, Let's put on the screen for you Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. It says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, your Father in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, uh, scripture was written by different authors. And so this was written by Matthew. Uh, There was also a person named Luke who wrote Uh, his version of this exact statement that Jesus made. And I want you to see the difference. This is Luke chapter 11, verse 13. It says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Matthew says, How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? But Luke says, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so today... We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about how God sent his spirit uh, to live with us, to lead us, to guide us, to empower us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to comfort us, to counsel us. The Holy Spirit has incredible potential for our lives, but uh, for many of us, we, we don't exactly take advantage of a lot of that. And a lot of it's because we just don't understand the gift that we've been given. We don't understand the gift we've given now. Before we jump into, just, just so you know, today there's going to be a little more scripture than normal. It's going to be a little more teaching than normal, a little less storytelling and a little less personal stories, a little more teaching. Uh, but let me just ask, let me just kind of find out where we are uh, as, as an audience, as a group here today. How many of you would say that you grew up in a church that would be considered or classified as a charismatic or a Pentecostal church? I'm thinking like Assembly of God, Church of God, Pentecostal Holiness, Congregational holiness, several of us, awesome. Uh, how many of you would say, I grew up in a church uh, that was not considered charismatic or Pentecostal? I'm, I'm thinking like Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, most, most, most of us in this room. Uh, I kind of fall into both of those categories, actually. I'm kind of a hybrid Christian, if you will. I grew up in a Baptist church, uh, and then when I was in ninth grade, my family started going to a, a church of God, which would be considered a charismatic Pentecostal church. So I call myself a Baptocostal, uh, but I started a church that was non-denominational because uh, a lot of the things that, that, that these churches argue about aren't incredibly important, and they're not worth arguing about. But so a lot of us in this room grew up in churches that you probably didn't hear a lot about the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you heard things about the Holy Spirit, it was things that, that made you like scared or afraid 
or weirded out, and it made you look at people who believed or claimed to believe or said they had experienced certain things. Uh, it kind of made you look at them through the eyes of like, they're just, that's like the weird branch. That's like the stepson that's like, no, we just want to talk about them. Like, this is our family, and we love our family, and they're over there, they're part of the family, but... You know, they're just a little weird. And then there's, there's a few of us in the room that would say that we have a charismatic, a Pentecostal background who would say, you know, like we believe strongly in the power of the Holy Spirit and what it means for our lives. And, and all the other people, they're just missing out. Like they're, they're, in, the, they're in, the, in the coach, like they're in the back of the plane. We're up here in first class, like we're traveling in style and we've got everything together. And so there's all these different views about the Holy Spirit. And today... Uh, let me give you another caveat. If you're here and you don't claim to be a Christian, maybe someone talked to you and they twisted your arm, they convinced you to, told you they'd give you lunch if you would come to church today. Uh, we're going to talk about some things that um, honestly are debated in church world, controversial, some of the things uh, that we're going to talk about today. And so uh, I want you just to kind of sit back and, and maybe you can say, I'm just going to be a spectator. This doesn't really apply to me because the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to those who claim to follow Christ. Okay, so if you don't claim to follow Christ, nothing I'm going to say today uh, really is like something that you have to apply to your life. That would be um, insane for me to expect you to apply things to your life when you don't even claim to want to apply them to your life, if that makes sense. So you can just kind of observe today and sit back. For the rest of us, I want us to understand a little more about the Holy Spirit, though. I want us to understand that God has given us a gift, and the gift that we've been given has potential for our lives to do incredible things. And some of us have like a camera that can take incredible pictures, but we just don't know how. Like we've never read a manual. We've never watched videos on YouTube. We've never asked somebody that knows how to take pictures. And so today uh, you're going to hear. Now I'll tell you that when I was coming up as a child in church, um, I never really heard much about the Holy Spirit. And so later in my life, I heard a lot of things about the Holy Spirit that caused me to say, you know, I've never been taught that. I've never heard that. I don't understand why I've never heard that. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but, but here's, here's kind of what I'm asking us today. Okay, no one's, no one's not going to shove anything down your throat. There's no one's going to do anything weird. It's not going to get crazy in here in a little while. So you can just relax, first of all. But I just want you to kind of have an open mind and an open heart to God's Word. We're going to look at scriptures today, and we're just going to ask God to speak to us. And so that's kind of my caveat, and we're going to, we're going to kind of jump into things. Um, the Holy Spirit is not like a New Testament phenomenon, okay? He didn't make his grand appearance into existence um, after Christ. In fact, the Holy Spirit has been around from the beginning of time. He's found actually as early as the second verse of the Bible, Genesis chapter one, verse two. It says, now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now this word spirit, the spirit of God, uh, was originally written in Hebrew. The Hebrew word here for spirit is ruach. And ruach literally means a wind or a breath. A wind or a breath. So the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, was hovering over the darkness of the deep before everything was ever even created. We see the Holy Spirit, okay? So, so not like a new phenomenon that's like, you know, this just popped into existence. Um, and then all the way into the New Testament, uh, we see in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. 
Some versions say she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This word spirit in the New Testament, which is written in Greek, is the word pneuma, which means breath. So this is the breath of God that's sent among us. So this wind, this breath, think wind, think breath. You can't see the wind. You can't see your breath unless it's really cold and you see uh, the fog that comes off your breath. But you can see the effects of the wind and you can't deny the wind exists. You just can't see the wind, okay? It's a blowing. And so God's spirit is the same way. It's a breath, it's a wind. It's something that comes and moves on us. John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Listen to what he says. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give a good gift. He will give you another counselor to help you, to be with you forever. The spirit of truth The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So we're told that God's spirit lives with us, lives in us, if we claim to follow Christ, if we're a believer, that his spirit indwells us, that we can't accept Christ without the spirit of God being part of that new creation. You can't be a Christian and and not have the Holy Spirit be a part of your life because when you're A Christian, when you're born again, when you're regenerate, when you become new, God sends his spirit to dwell inside of you. Ephesians, Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit is a seal of our salvation. So the Holy Spirit is is there with us. So we've been given this gift, this counselor. Some versions say this advocate, this word uh, parakletos that means basically one that comes alongside of us. So as a Christian, we've been given the spirit of God, which is like a breath that's come alongside of us. Uh, this is how we can live the lives that God's called us to live. Have you ever just been overwhelmed by God's word? Like you read things you're not supposed to do. You read things you're supposed to do and you're just like, man, I'm just a failure. Like I'm just a screw up. Like I try, but I just, I just can't be that person. And the beautiful thing about God and his love for us is he doesn't expect you to be that person. He sends his spirit to help you be that person. So if you live a life with a gift that you don't allow to apply to your life or help lead you and guide you and transform you and comfort you in hard times, then you're living a life with God's method to become all he wants you to become, not helping you become all he wants you to become. So we've got this advocate that God has sent for us. Uh, A misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit is that uh, the Holy Spirit is an it, an existence, a force that just floats through the universe, but the Holy Spirit is actually the third person in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. It's a he, it's a person. Uh, Scripture tells us that you can grieve the Spirit. The Spirit has emotion, So the Spirit is a person that God has given to be with us, God with us always, even though Jesus ascended and went back to the Father. So this word parakletos, this counselor, uh, this would be an intercessor, an an advocate, a comforter, a helper. Uh, Here's the question for us today. Would you rather, if you had a choice, Would you rather have Jesus in bodily form by your side or would you rather have the Holy Spirit with you? Now, I know if I were asked that question, especially when I were younger, I would say, well, dude, I want Jesus. Because I read about Jesus. I read about the incredible things 
that he did. I, I read about the miracles. I read like he opened blinded eyes. He made dead people come to life. Like he did incredible things. If I had Jesus by my side, I could take on the world. Like nothing would stop me from, from anything really. Like I wouldn't care about a lot of things in life if I had Jesus by my side. And for most of us, we would see benefit in having Jesus walk with us side by side. But the problem is, it's like if Jesus is at my house for dinner, like you're out of luck. You know what I'm saying? Like he can't be at my house for dinner and your house for dinner if he's in bodily form. So whose house is he going to? Who's he walking with? We're all just going to follow him. That's, that's the goal is that we would follow him, but the crowds are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And Jesus makes a statement that hopefully will help us understand more about the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus says to his disciples, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good... He gives good gifts. It's for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, there's that word for spirit, parakletos, the counselor would not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So I, Jesus, God in bodily, carnate form here on the earth, like I'm going to leave you. I know you're sad. I know you don't understand that. I know that we've experienced a lot together and you want to follow me wherever I go. And I'm going to leave and you're sad about that, but it's actually better for you that I go. Because if I go, then I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to send God, the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. So now you're not limited to being in my physical bodily presence. I'm going to send a spirit to live in you, to dwell with you. And everywhere you go, you're going to have God. And some of us, we still, like, we don't understand that. We'd rather have Jesus with it. But Jesus is saying, it's better for you that I go because I'm going to send my spirit in all of you, each one individually, personally. You're going to have God with you everywhere you go. And so you've been given this gift, this good gift of the Holy Spirit that lives with you, that dwells in you, that guides you, that comforts you. We're going to talk about some of the roles of the Holy Spirit in just a few minutes. Jesus goes on before he ascends in the book of Acts to give some instructions to his disciples. Now, these instructions for a lot of people uh, have been embraced and for a lot of people haven't been embraced. Uh, and so let's, let's talk real quickly. Acts chapter number one, verses four through eight. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, so Jesus is eating with his disciples, he gave them this command, not a suggestion, not like, this would be good if you would do this. Like, I expect you to do this. This is a command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The word baptized is the word baptizo in the original Greek. It means to be immersed. That's why when we do water baptisms, we immerse people under the water. And Jesus is saying that you need to wait because there's going to come an immersion in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be baptized in the Spirit, not just in water. Verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore your kingdom to Israel? They still don't get it. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's, that's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. We receive power to be witnesses. That word power in the original language is the word dunamis, which is the word that we, 
which is where we get the English word dynamite from. It's like explosion. It's like major power. God is saying you will receive explosive power from God to do incredible things, to be my witnesses. This is a huge gift that God's given us. He hasn't left us and gone back to the Father and left us down here helpless like... I remember when Jesus was with us, and I've heard stories of when Jesus was with us, and I just wish he were still here because if he were still here, things would be so different. No, he's gone, but he has sent the Spirit with us, and the Spirit empowers us, and we've received power. We can do incredible things. Have you ever just met someone that you're just like, there's just there's something powerful about them, about their walk with God? It just seems like when they, when they pray, like the prayers get answered, it seems like they speak with such authority and I like to just, I like to think of the Holy Spirit in us, like transitioning us from, from taking like a knife and trying to cut a tree down as opposed to a chainsaw. Because on our own with, with like a knife, like we're never going to cut a tree down. I mean, you could, but it's going to take you forever. It's going to take all your might, all your energy. And a lot of us, we try to do that with God. We try to, in our own might, and our own energy, we try to do things for God we try to work really hard. We try to focus intently. We try to make sure that, that we're concentrating on the right things. And we work really hard. And we think that on our own strength that we can do things, that we're responsible for the things we do. And we work really, really hard. But the problem is, is there's a chainsaw right next to us. And we're sitting over here with a knife, like, just pick the chainsaw up and cut the tree down and move on with your life. That's what the Holy Spirit, he's, he's been given to us so that we can receive power to do incredible things for him. It's a good gift that God gave us. He gave us his son, Jesus. Greatest gift ever. Jesus lived on this earth. He ascended to be with the Father after he was crucified. He was buried. He was resurrected. When he ascended to the Father, God sent the Holy Spirit, which was first poured out on the early believers on the day of Pentecost. Now, in the Acts account on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, there were some weird things that happened. Can we just say that? kind of strange things. People were together in the upper room, about 120 people, and the Spirit of God descended on people in the form of tongues of fire. So you saw like little fire on, on top of people's heads, and they began to speak in different languages. Kind of, kind, of a weird, kind of a weird thing. And so it happened on the day of Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost simply means 50 days after Passover, Penta 50. So 50 days after Passover is when it's happened. And so today, there are a lot of churches that consider themselves Pentecostal because they believe that what happened on the day of Pentecost is for today and, and should be experienced today. The word Pentecostal is not found in the Bible. It's just a title they've given themselves to describe a belief that they have adhered to. And here's, here, here's the problem I see in church world when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I, I think there's like this pendulum. And on the one side, we have people who... I would say overly emphasize the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And you say, well, how, how can you overemphasize the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer? Well, if all I ever talked to you about, if all I ever preached to you about, if all I ever taught you was about the Holy Spirit, about gifts of the Spirit, about manifestations of the Spirit, about how you should be doing things that the Bible records in a couple of accounts to do, and that's all we ever focused on, 
In every one of our church services, that's all we ever focused on was, is the Holy Spirit, manifestations, you know, speaking in tongues, gifts of healing, gifts of faith, prophecy, you know, these things that make a lot of Christians nervous. Some of you heard we were going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and you're like, what's he going to talk about? This could get weird. And, and it's because you've seen some people that over here overly emphasize the Holy Spirit. But then on the other side, the pendulum swings, and we've got people in the church world that, like, they never talk about the Holy Spirit. And they would look over there and say, those people, they just seem strange to me. And because they seem strange to me, like we're going to be good without the Holy Spirit. And so we'll never talk about the Holy Spirit. And, and we'll kind of overlook some scriptures that, that give us instructions about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit means to our lives. And, and you know, those people, you know, you know, they're just weird. They raise their hands in church. I mean, they, they, they do some crazy things. And we're just, we're going to be like safe over here. And Jesus never wanted a group of people that, like, were just weird, you know? Like, I can't imagine. He was like, it's going to be good for you if I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And you're just going to be a freak, man. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to sit up in heaven and just be entertained. You know, some of you, you might, like, bark like dogs. And you'll just do crazy things. And you'll say the Spirit's enabling you. And you'll, like, roll around the floor. And you'll run around the room. And, and you'll just get crazy. You'll get crazy. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. A bunch of Jesus freaks, you know? That's what we're making. That's what the Holy Spirit... You say, well, if you believe in the Holy Spirit, like, why don't we see a lot of that stuff in this church? Like, I've heard of churches that would claim to be Pentecostal. You say you believe in the Holy Spirit. Why? And it's because I believe that the Holy Spirit gives us power to be witnesses. Let me share one story with you. When I, when, I was, when I was in high school, I went to a church. It would call itself a classical Pentecostal church. And um, I was exposed to the Holy Spirit in a light that I had never heard or been taught of. And I researched, I read scriptures, I prayed about uh, different things that I was seeing, different things that I was hearing. And, and a lot of it I found in scripture. Uh, some of it was abused. Some of it just got really really weird I'll be honest I've done some really weird things in my life I would even go so far to say if you saw me on a, like a daily basis when I'm alone in my prayer closet, I would probably do some things that you might think are kind of weird and that's okay but I had a heart to reach people for Jesus as a teenager and I would invite people to my church and and the only thing that I had against my church is that when I would finally get one of my teammates or friends from school to attend my church, I would go from praying, Lord, save their soul, help them come to church, to start saying, pray, Lord, please don't let this be one of those days where things just get weird. Please, Lord, I just pray like they finally came. It's been seven months. Like I've been begging them. I've been telling them to love it. Just please, if we could just, like if the music could just be normal and then there'd be a message, you know, maybe an altar call, you know, that would be great. If they would invite them to accept Christ, I would love it. And then, you know, we can just leave and go about our day. And on more occasions than not, I would invite a friend to come to church. They would be lost. They wouldn't know Jesus. And somebody would do something weird. And it's like when someone does something weird in the church, other people that believe in some of the things that could be considered weird, like they kind of ag them on. They're like, oh, this is good. This is good. I got to get me some of that, you know? And things would just get really weird, and my friend would just be like, 
where's the door? You know, he's like backing away. He's like getting down in the seat. Like if somebody calls on me, I'm telling him I'm going to start swinging. Somebody comes over here and touches me. It's going to get ugly. And I would have to sit down with these friends and just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, let me try to explain what was happening. And, and they would never come back to my church. They'd never come back to my church. And so I always said, I never want to be a part of a church. I never want to start a church. I never want to pastor a church where people can't be confident that there are people who are far from God that they're going to invite are going to have a good experience, okay? So my goal as a pastor, you should know this. Some of you might not like this about me. You might not like this about a church. My goal is, is that we wouldn't be a weird church, okay? I think it's a worthy goal, okay? Some of you may not think it's a worthy goal, but I think it's a worthy goal. I think it's a goal that says I can have a confidence in inviting friends and they're going to have a good experience, okay? But in that, in that, because I don't want there to be weird things that happen, that freak people out, that make us look just crazy, that turn people away from church instead of towards the cross. I don't want to be a pastor that ignores the Holy Spirit. I don't want people to die one day and go to heaven and say, well, my pastor never told me some of this stuff. Like, I, I never heard that. Like, I never knew that there were different things that, that you wanted for my life through God's Spirit and so I've tried to find this balance of let's not be weird and freaks for people, but let's not ignore the Holy Spirit. And let's just kind of walk down the middle and say that God has given us a good gift. And that good gift is the Holy Spirit who's come to be a helper, a counselor, to comfort us, to guide us into all truth. Paul tells us in the book of Galatians, he writes a letter to the church in Galatia, that there are fruits of the Spirit. In the life of a Christian, in the life of a person who claims to follow Christ, there should be some fruit, there should be some evidence through God's Spirit that you are a follower of Christ. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you claim to follow Christ, those nine attributes, those nine fruits, they should, they, they should be a part of your life. You look at that list and you, you see patience and you're like, i got to work on some things. Yeah, that's the thing, though, is God has sent his spirit to give you patience. You just have to make sure that you're not keeping the spirit at arm's distance. He, he wants to give you patience. He wants to give you peace through hard times. He wants to give you faithfulness. He wants to give you gentleness. Some of us men, we need God's gentleness that's given through his spirit. That His spirit comes to, to help give us fruit and our life should produce fruit in keeping with, with God's spirit. That's one of the roles of, of his spirit. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes another letter to a church in Corinthians. He, he talks to us about gifts of the spirit. That the Holy Spirit has given us gifts uh, or manifestations as Christians that we follow. Listen, listen to what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This is important for the common good, okay? Not for personal gain, but for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. 
To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. So the Spirit determines, and He gives gifts. He gives manifestations. He gives these gifts, these gifts of the Spirit. These nine gifts. We don't all have to have all nine gifts, but Scripture, Paul goes on to tell us that we should eagerly pray and desire the greater gifts. And there's two approaches to this. And let me, let me just kind of tell you, church world out there, what, what's going on right now. Because this is, this is pretty controversial in the church world. There's, there's cessationism, which says... Ultimately, that the sign gifts, the gifts of speaking in tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gifts where signs would be shown toward people, that they ceased with the apostles, that they are not for today. Okay? Maybe some of you, maybe some of you have been taught that. Um, there's, there's a great, there's a preacher in America that's got a great following that's, that's just written a book, and, and he's on a mission to kind of promote cessationism. That the gifts of the Spirit ceased with the original apostles. That today, there would be none of that. And you, and you say, well, well, what if I know someone that's done some of those things? And they would say, well, it's not of God. That it's sinful. Cessationism. And then, and then on the other hand, uh, there's continuationism. Which says that those gifts never ceased. and In fact, they're still available today. Okay? Can we, can, can we be honest here? This isn't like a heaven or hell thing, okay? We don't, we don't have to get all like at odds and fight about this, okay? I can just tell you there will be people in heaven with you and with me who believe that the gifts of the Spirit are not for today, that they ceased with the early apostles, okay? And they'll still be saved, they still can accept Christ, and they can believe that. And they'll be in heaven worshiping the same great God and King alongside someone who believes that the gifts of the Spirit are still for today, that they've continued throughout the generations. And so I'm not saying you've you got to make a choice. I'm not telling you what to make. I, I believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. I've experienced some of the gifts of the Spirit. If some of you would see me in my personal prayer closet, you would see some of these gifts take place. I'm not trying to promote or tell you that these gifts have to happen for you to be a Christian. That's false teaching, okay? So can we just like relax a little bit there and just say, we don't have to make a huge deal about this. You might be sitting next to someone who, who may speak in tongues. And you might be sitting beside someone who believes that if you speak in tongues, that's of the devil. It's okay. We all love Jesus, hopefully. We're going to the same place. We don't have to fight about it, Okay? But I believe the Holy Spirit gives gifts. Paul teaches us. He gives us instructions on how these gifts should take place and how there should be order amongst these gifts inside the church. I believe that it's for today. In fact, I personally believe that cessationists, and I want to be careful how I say this because I never want to use this platform to condemn anybody or to target anybody, and I'm not trying to do that. But, but if, you, if you grew up in a home beside an old train depot that years ago would have been a busy hub, like trains would have come through, 
right? And you grew up in the backyard of this train depot, and you see this train depot, and as a kid, you go and you play in the train depot. You have fun, like, it was kind of like a clubhouse. It's where you, you invited friends, you went into the train depot, and you had a good time. And in all your years, you never saw a train come through that depot, and you never really got out of town much. It's the only train depot you ever really saw. And you hear somebody one day say, I'm taking a train, and I'm going up to... New York. You're like, there's no trains. Yeah, like I got a ticket. I'm going to get on a train. I'm going to travel. Dude, I have been playing in a train depot my whole life. I can tell you there's no trains. Do you see how there could be, I mean, it's a little bit of arrogance in saying because in my train depot there's no trains, there can never be trains anywhere else. Okay? So that's kind of how I feel. Like, if you haven't seen any trains in your life, it's okay. It doesn't mean that there aren't trains out there. And there are people in this room who have experienced the gifts of the Spirit. So if you would say, I've never experienced the gifts of the Spirit, no one's saying, like, you're a bad Christian, and no one's pointing fingers at you and saying that, you know, you're ignoring the Holy Spirit. But just, just try not to fall into that category that says, because I've never experienced it, it can't happen. I just think it's a dangerous place. Does that make sense for us to kind of confine God to our little experiences in life. You know, in, in fact, you may get out of your neighborhood and find out there's a lot of trains out there, and it's okay for people to travel by train. You, you, you just don't. So, so here's, I want to give you two things and four things, two things, four things. Uh, two reasons that I believe Christians who have been given the good gift of the Holy Spirit would live a spirit-less life. Like, like would not take advantage of the things that the Holy Spirit has been sent to do in their life. Number one, um, they just simply aren't aware of the Holy Spirit. If you're not aware of something, if you've never been taught about something, if you don't understand something, you can't take advantage of it, right? If I never learn how to take pictures, my pictures are always going to be bad. Just weren't aware in Acts Chapter number 19, verses 1 through 2. Paul comes across some believers. He says, did you receive, it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, and there he found some disciples, some followers of Christ, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Listen to their response. They answered, no. We've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. How can we receive the Spirit? How can we embrace the Spirit? How can we allow the Holy Spirit to use us, to empower us, to comfort us, to come alongside of us if we didn't even know about the Spirit? And for some of you, maybe that's you. And you would say, I never have known about the Holy Spirit. Maybe for some of you, you just want to go home and like get you a little Bible study tool and just search Holy Spirit, and you'll find out that there's over 800 references to God's Spirit in your Bible. And you'll want to start reading about stuff. And some of it will kind of maybe freak you out. I don't know. And some of it you'll think that's kind of strange. But some of it you'll, you, you may just say, I've never heard that before. How have I been in church my whole life and I've never heard that before? That, that's the category I found, fell into when I started reading a lot of things about it. The second, the second reason that I believe Christians would live spiritless lives, they would try to do everything in their own power, is because they resist the Holy Spirit. They resist the Holy Spirit. They've heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They just choose not to allow the Holy Spirit to be part of their life. 
in certain areas. Acts chapter 7, verse 1. This is Stephen, follower of Christ. Before he's being stoned, he's being accused of being a follower of Christ. He's on trial before the Sanhedrin, which is a religious group of leaders. And listen to what he's saying to them. He says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. You know, it's possible for us to resist the Holy Spirit. I've heard it said, and I believe it wholeheartedly, that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit never forces himself on you and will never cause you to do anything that you don't want to do. So if any of you are like, speaking in tongues stuff, that freaks me out, I promise you. You'll never speak in tongues if you don't want to speak in tongues. If you're like, I'm not going to speak in tongues. I don't want to do that. If anyone tries to make me do that stuff, we're going to fight. It's okay. No one's going to make you do it. You know, I don't believe in healing. I don't believe it's for today. I'm never going to pray for anybody to be healed. That's okay. No, no one's going to make you do that. The Holy Spirit's not going to force himself on you. and like He's not going to like take control of your body and start making you do crazy stuff. So just calm down. It's okay. But it's possible to resist the Holy Spirit. It's possible to have things at your fingertips that you could put into practice to live the Christian life that God's called you to live that you could say, I, I don't want that to be part of my life. I think it's a sad thing, but, but you can resist the Holy Spirit. Let me give you four ways that the Holy Spirit ministers to us, four advantages of the Holy Spirit, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. It's not going to get weird at the end. Calm down. Four advantages, four parts of the good gift of the Holy Spirit, four things the Holy Spirit does in our lives that I would just say you need to embrace, especially if you call yourself a follower of Christ. You just need to say, I want this in my life. Number one, he comforts you. The Holy Spirit comforts you. Anybody ever needed comforting? Anyone ever just been hurting? Just been in a bad place? You just feel like life's just against you and you've just been beat up. It's been a bad day. It's been a bad week. It's been a bad year. It's been a bad life. I need to be comforted. Like, it's, this is hard. And that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our life is that he comforts us. John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Another comforter, a counselor to come alongside you. And when you go through difficult times, when you experience tragic pain or everyday pain, when you feel alone or isolated, when you feel betrayed, when you feel like people are against you and you can't stand on your own, there's good news for you. There's good news for me. As a follower in Christ, Jesus, God has sent his Holy Spirit to be with you, to come alongside you, to comfort you. That's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. That you can say, Holy Spirit, I can't take this anymore. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this situation. I don't know how I can take another step in this life. And the Holy Spirit will comfort you. And you can experience a peace in those difficult moments. Don't ignore the Holy Spirit. Don't try to fight things on your own. The Holy Spirit was sent to comfort you. If you need comforting, you ask the Holy Spirit, comfort me. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. This is one of the great advantages of the Holy Spirit. Number two is the Holy Spirit guides you. John 16, verse 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. You ever had just questions like, I don't know what's next. I don't know what decision I should make. There's good news. God has sent his Holy Spirit. He's given his Holy Spirit to you as a good gift to guide you 
as a follower of Christ, to help you make decisions on where to go next, to direct your steps so that you will make decisions that are godly decisions. So when you're faced with a choice and you don't know what to choose, when you're faced with a circumstance and you don't know which direction to go, there's good news. The Holy Spirit's been sent to guide you. I love Isaiah chapter number 30, verse 21. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. That God's Spirit, one of the roles he plays in our life is he guides us. He directs us. He orders our steps. He helps us discern where we go in life. And you know, there's sometimes that we make decisions because we feel led to make those decisions that people just don't understand. But in hindsight, we look back and we just say, only God could have caused me to make that decision. There's no way I would have ended up where I was if God hadn't caused me to make that decision. If I didn't take a job that that paid less, if I didn't, you know, stop dating someone that everyone thought we were perfect for, you would have never ended up where God wanted you to be. Because he guides you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Number three, the Holy Spirit will convict you. I don't always love this about the Holy Spirit, but I'm thankful for this. He will convict you. John 16, 8 says, When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. That as Christians, as followers of Christ, when we sin... When we do something that opposes the life that God wants for us, the Holy Spirit is there just saying, that's wrong. you you got to stop doing that. you gotta, you got to turn from that. He's like the voice in the back of your head that you can't get away from, and you just want to keep going. And he's like, hey, 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 you got to stop it. Don't do it. That's wrong. And when you feel guilt based on something you've done, it's the Holy Spirit letting you know that you're involved in something. You've made a decision. You've done something that's wrong. It's a reminder for us to ask Jesus for forgiveness and to repent, to turn, and to follow what he has for us. He comforts us. He guides us. He convicts us. And fourthly, he empowers us. He empowers us. We don't have to go through life trying to cut down trees with a butter knife. He gives us power to do what he's called us to do. And when you feel like you're facing an obstacle that there's no way you can do what God's called you to do, it's his power that helps you do what he's called you to do. But you will receive power, Acts 1-8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth that his power enables us to be witnesses that our life can make a difference. That we don't have to go through this life without power. We don't have to go through this life just wishing we could make a difference. But his spirit empowers us to this. I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 4 through 5. Again, this is Paul. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. In other words, like I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I love this gives me hope. This verse gives me hope. I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. I don't have to be the wisest guy in the room. It's not with persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. That our goal is not for people to think that we're like good Christians. That the words we say are so smart. We know so much about God and his power, but that the words that we speak will be empowered by God and they'll make a difference in their life, that they'll see God through our life. 
We want people to be impressed with us. We want people to see Jesus, to experience the hope that we've found in him. And here, here's the encouragement that I want to I leave you with before we pray together. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, now get this, Jesus Christ gave his life for you on a cross. He died and he was buried in a tomb. And three days later, he was resurrected. He was raised to life. And it was the spirit of God that raised him to life. Okay? If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, it's a good gift. It's been given to you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through the Spirit who lives in you. You don't have to go through life powerless. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you if you call yourself a follower of Christ. You can take amazing photographs, you just have to understand the camera. God can do incredible things through you. You just need to get to know the Holy Spirit. It's a, he's a person. It's not a it, it's not a thing. God's word's the manual. We get to know him. You, know, you can pray to the Holy Spirit, just like you can say to your Heavenly Father or Jesus. You can say Holy Spirit. And when you get to know the Holy Spirit and you begin to give him control of your life and allow him to empower you, to comfort you, to guide you, to convict you, then your life will look different because his spirit is having an impact in your life. Lord Jesus, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for this good gift. Thank you, Lord, that though there are things about your spirit we may not understand and there are things about your spirit that can be abused and there are things about your spirit that may seem weird and there's things about your spirit that kind of stretch us in some ways that make us uncomfortable, I'm thankful that you've given us the Holy Spirit as a seal for our salvation. That we can receive power. That we can be comforted. That we can be guided and that you convict us. Father, I pray in this moment that those who call themselves believers, call themselves followers of Christ, would just extend an invitation to you, Holy Spirit, just to just to take control of our lives, to empower us, to do what you want to do in us and through us and allow us to be a church that listens to your spirit, that follows your spirit, that's empowered by your spirit. We give your spirit permission to lead us as a church. We give your spirit permission as individuals to empower us, to use us in ways that you want to use us. We, we don't care to be weird and freaks, Lord. But we want everything that you have for us. And we want to experience the good gift of your spirit that's been given to us when you ascended to the Father. We thank you for that spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.